announcements. Every single week, I just, we're just here for it. So, hey, I know that we stand and we sit and we stand a lot, but if you could either stand or just extend a hand of, of blessing uh, for the scriptures today, who's gonna stand? All right, you're gonna be sitting for a while, so this is a great opportunity. Uh, this is an opening scripture kind of to prime us for our message from Romans chapter 12 and Hebrews chapter 13. It says this, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And here's Hebrew 13. For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Grab a seat. Welcome home, everyone, once again. Uh, for everyone joining us online, I'm glad that you have done so, whether it's now or in the future. We hope to see you in person again soon. Just a couple reminders. Immediately after service, we're going to be having our church family potluck. Yeah. It's Family Sunday, and I saw Paul, uh, Paul Sutherland I, was here. I don't know. How many pounds of pulled pork did you make for today? Like 20? And so everyone get ready to eat. It's going to be awesome. Um, yeah, and then just one more quick celebration before we get into the message. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had talked about doing um, a way to really bless our food ministry here at the church called Sue's Garden. And, we, and our goal was that we wanted, to, we wanted from the community to come up with 100 gift cards of $25 to be able to bless this food ministry. And, um, and I just wanted to give you quick, a quick update. The last number that I had that had come in was that we had brought in, drum roll, anyone? 105. So we met our goal, and I know that a lot of you did so sacrificially that God really put on your heart that this would be something that you would worship him through and that you would do to help support what God is, is working on here at Highlands. And so just really grateful for all that you have done. And for Seuss Garden, we hope that you're ready to give them away because uh, we got to raise some more now. It's going to be great. Okay. Okay, uh, so for the past few months, we have been going through kind of an extended conversation, an extended series here at the church uh, called The Good Life, talking about the best life can be this side of heaven and how to get there. And we started in January talking about rest and the simple invitation from Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 when he says this, it'll be on the screen. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart. And then you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. And this passage, this invitation, is essentially saying, come to me, take my yoke, which means my lifestyle, take my covering upon you, and let me teach you how to live like me. This is what Jesus is inviting his people into. So the invitation, and again, it started talking about restructuring our time and adopting God's weekly calendar, that we would work hard, we would work hard and then stop and then call it good and then choose to rest with God and others. This was in January. Now from there, in February, we built on this restructuring of our time, talking about God's priority for stewardship, 
or our role as stewards in his house, that we were made from the very beginning to carry the image of God out into the world in all things at all times. This is the identity that God has given you and the purpose that we have been imprinted. And we see it first in Genesis chapter one. It'll be on the screen. It says this. Then God said, let us make human beings. This is you. Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and the livestock and all the wild animals on the earth and all the small animals that scurry along the ground. So, verse 27, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over the animals that scurry along the ground. This is your reason, this is your purpose, to be stewards of God's good world, to fill the earth and govern it like he would on his behalf, carrying his image out into the world, because it's his world, right? It's his world. Everything we see belongs to Jesus. Psalm 24 says the earth is his and everything in it. The earth is his and everything in it. He is the Lord, and that makes us the stewards. And this identity of steward, it's intended to shape everything you see, your perspective, but also everything about you, your identity, as you follow Jesus into the good life. And this is where we've been, January, February. Now, all that said, as we continue to build on this easy yoke from Matthew 11 and follow his way of life, the way of Jesus, for the month of March, we won't be talking so much about who we are, because we just covered that. We won't be talking so much about who we are, but rather our, our posture that we are to have from the perspective as stewards. And I know that there's going to be a bit of crossover between who we are and what we do, um, but for the most part, if you're taking notes, I'd like to introduce today the practice and the priority, the posture of worship, the good life of worship. I know some of you are like, yes, get the band back up here. We're singing all day. And then some of, some of everyone else in the house is kind of like, man, I only listen to podcasts and talk radio, and so maybe we can move into something different. But listen, worship is one of those things in the church that's we talk about a lot, but it's one of those things in the church that I think is often assumed to mean one thing, but actually carries with it a depth of meaning that goes far beneath the surface definitions. It's kind of like uh, the illustration I have for you. It's kind of like an iceberg of sorts where the small peak that sticks out of the water is what most people see and associate the iceberg to be. But the only reason that small peak exists outside of the water is because of this massive foundation underneath to support it. And this is what worship is, okay? We see this visual, this observable representation of worship through singing. We just did it, right? singing and music. We have worship services and worship time and worship teams. We say things like, like, man, worship was great today. Wasn't worship great today? Amen. Amen. We say things like, worship was boring today. Who thought worship was boring today? All the kids are upstairs now, so no one, right? <laughs> we say things like, man, they just didn't play the songs I like for worship today. I wonder if anyone's ever said that. And while all of these usages of the word worship might be accurate, though more than just a little self-involved, this assumption and understanding of worship is incomplete. And it's just the tip of the iceberg. So if worship 
is more than a song, if it's more than a melody, if it's more than a church service, then what is it? What is worship? Let's define some terms. The stock English dictionary definition puts it like this. It'll be on the screen. It's worship is defined as uh, to, to show profound religious devotion and respect to, to adore or venerate God or any person or thing considered divine. To be devoted and full of admiration for. Worship is the formal expression of religious adoration, rites, and prayers. Not too bad. Decent definition, dictionary.com. Now, let's see how this definition lays over the top of our scriptures, though. Because if you didn't know, we find our truth not only in our world today, but primarily founded in the Word of God. And so what does the scripture say about worship? Well, in the original language, there are a number of different words used to define worship. But let me just give you a few that really stand out. The first is the Greek word proskaneo. You'll see it up on the screen in just a second. Proskaneo. Who wants to say that with me? Anyone brave enough? Proskaneo. I know, right? And this word, it's used 59 times in the New Testament to define worship or describe worship. And it's defined as to express by attitude and position one's allegiance to and regard for. To honor, revere, and venerate the divine. This is paneo, and it's most often used in the New Testament. Okay. Now, the second word that we're going to be looking at for definitions is, uh, is the word latreia. Who likes to say the word latreia? Everyone's excited about latreia? Latreia? Okay, cool. And this word latreia is actually where we get the word liturgy, by the way. Because this definition is the state or position of a hired workman, a servant, or servitude, service to God, the liturgy to God, the service for God. It's a posture of a servant, Latreia. And so let's just make all, mix all these definitions together real quick to help us understand what worship is for us. And we have one more definition. It'll be on the screen. It says this. It's the expression of allegiance, devotion, honor, and reverence to God from the position and posture of a servant or a steward. Amen. Let me do that one more time. It's the expression. It's not just the belief. It's not just the head knowledge. It's not just the, the philosophy or the theology, but it's the actual expression with your life that one has of allegiance, devotion, honor, and reverence to God from the position and posture of a servant or a steward. And, and believe it or not, what I'm here to tell you today is that this truly is the best life can be. This is the good life, according to God. Which brings me to just a bit of a thesis to help bring focus for the next couple weeks. So we have this working definition. This working definition, and now, now here's where we're going with it. In the good life that God wants for you, and Jesus is leading you toward, worship is meant to be the primary motivation, the foundational piece for everything you do. It is the expression of your life above the surface in response to your allegiance, your devotion, your honor, your love, respect, and reverence below the surface from your position and posture of a servant. So it's your expression based on your foundation because you believe God deserves it. You believe God deserves it. And this is it. Worship is expressing with your life that God deserves everything in your life that everything you see belongs to Jesus. He is the Lord, you are the steward, so he is ultimately worthy of everything you are, everything you are above and everything you are below the service. Worship is expressing that Jesus is worthy of your attention. 
Worship is expressing that Jesus is worthy of your affection. He is worthy of your allegiance and your acceptance. He is worthy of our service and our devotion, our honor and praise. And so we adjust our posture accordingly. We adjust our posture accordingly. We bow down in reverence and adoration. We lay prostrate before him with our hearts and minds, our body and soul, our entire being. We lay everything we have before him. Why? One more time. Because he is worthy. He is God and he is worthy of it all. He is worthy of it all. And we just sang this. Our whole opening time of musical worship was all about God's worth, how, how worthy God is of our praise. You're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. And this song we just sang, it's actually, it comes straight from another song we find in Scripture in Revelation chapter 4. One that has been sung for all created history and will be, continue to be sung for all eternity. It'll be on the screen in just a second. And it gives us a glimpse of, of the ultimate good life in heaven. When all created beings are standing around the throne of God, bowing low before him and seeing, you are worthy our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and created and have their being. It's beautiful. You're worthy of it all. For from you are all things. And to you are all things. You deserve the glory. This is the beginning to a life of worship. And to our perspective and our purpose. But more than anything, worship is a response it's an expression of our posture as servants. And so here's the thesis, and you can find it on your chair. I've got a couple of them. You know I love my quarter sheets of paper. I, I plant trees just so I can do this for you, okay? Okay, 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 Fran. But this is, this is the thesis that we'll be operating out of for the next four weeks, and really the confession for the month and the heart of worship. It's simply that I am alive to honor Jesus. I am alive to honor Jesus both in recognition, that's perspective, and also expression, that's action. I am alive to honor Jesus because it's his world. He made me in his image to be like him, and now it's up to me to honor him with every part of my life. I am alive to honor Jesus. This is the good life, the foundation and motivation. It's the iceberg of faith and obedience that must lie beneath the surface of our songs beneath the surface of our services and sacrifice and stewardship, it's this. I am alive to honor Jesus. With what? Everything. Everything. Every action, every expression, every thought, every decision, every word, every rhythm and melody, every second, minute, and moment. Everything. You are alive to honor Jesus with your money. That's worship. You are alive to honor Jesus with your family. That's worship. You are alive to honor Jesus with your career and your car and your relationships and your sexuality and, and, and with what you have and what you don't, with what you know and what you don't, with your hopes and dreams, your fears, your failures, your greatest wins and your most brutal defeats. You are alive to honor Jesus with it all. And this is the good life of worship. And, you know, over the next few weeks, for the course of this month, we will be looking closer at some of the instructions for expression, for how we actually play this out in the scriptures. And I think you'll be surprised that it really goes so much further than a song. So be here, that's coming up. But, but for today, I just wanna wrap from this thesis, I wanna spend the rest of our time talking about some first steps.
and some pre-decisions we can all make so we can really begin to honor Jesus with our life, so we can honor him with everything. Because this, this posture, this posture is a shift, right? We like to stand and move and, and go where we want, but a, a posture of worship is one bowed before him. And so this, this posture is a shift. And I, and I know that we know that God doesn't want a bunch of Fairweather fans where, you know, where we honor Jesus in some areas but live in ways that contradict our confession in others. We know that, but sometimes it's actually hard to take our faith and our worship beneath the surface. I mean, there are times, just to be honest with you, where the expression of my life looks a whole lot more like I am alive to honor me than to honor Jesus. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it can be super hard to give Jesus access to everything, to exist in that posture of honor in every area of your life. Honestly, it's a whole lot easier to just give Jesus what people see, you know? It's a whole lot easier to give Jesus what people see but never commit who you really are beneath the surface. Like, I I remember um, when I was first finishing up school in Minneapolis, I was a total mess. I mean, I, I believed in Jesus, and I wanted to think I gave Jesus my whole life, but there were some areas in me that Jesus was not king. And the biggest was absolutely relationships. I've, I always wanted deep connection and deep relationships. But leading into this moment, just a bit of backstory, a few years before my brother had died and this trauma had kind of like dulled my reactions as I, as I just basically turned off all of my emotion. It was safer that way for me to live with no emotion Instead of feeling the hurt, I kind of sacrificed the highs as well. Does that make sense? And so living numb in a world, I, I kind of go to sell my stuff and get back into school in Minnesota and figure out what's next. But, the, but this lack of emotion in me also came with it a lack of conviction. And I, I might have still known what was right and true in my heart, but I wasn't always concerned with my confessions, practically, my expressions of faith. And again, this became more and more apparent in some of my relationship drama. I, I, I was, again, just chasing whatever I could to feel again. And so I would kind of date these, these girls, sometimes more than one at a time, totally oblivious to how I was hurting them and how I was really hurting myself. And I would make these excuses, like it wasn't serious, it wasn't exclusive, but in the end, I was just being a jerk, okay? I just wasn't being a good guy, and I know that, and I've... I have apologized. But on the surface, to the world in this season, to this, on the surface, I was doing everything right. On the surface, I was a worship pastor at a small church. I was in a Christian college. I didn't do drugs or cuss very much. I sang, I sang the right songs. I raised my hands during worship. I was at church every week. On the surface, I shined, but what lied beneath the surface was a crumbling mess. And it's, again, not like I was intentionally trying to fracture my life into compartments, and I would have never wanted to intentionally or knowingly dishonor Jesus in the way that I was living. I just wasn't thinking. I just wasn't thinking, and it eventually caught up to me when some of my relationships started to overlap. And, and the girls started asking questions. And this moment, man, it was rough. It was rough. And so one day, kind of at peak drama, I was super depressed, and I, and I was frustrated, and so I went to my pastor. 
of all people to ask for some advice. I just felt out of control and I, and I needed some, I didn't know what else to do. And so I told him the story about what was happening, hoping he'd make me feel better without really requiring me to change anything. I don't know if anyone's ever been there. <laughs> Treat the symptoms, right? Just kind of build up that peak of the iceberg again without doing any support underneath. But in that moment, some serious tough love came, and I don't know why he didn't fire me in that moment, by the way, but in some real talk, he was just like, David, first of all, you need to stop. Knock it off. Second of all, you are living in the wake of your own decisions. You're depressed and anxious and sad, not because of relationship drama, but because you have taken Jesus off the throne of that part of your life. And you've put yourself there instead. David, you're living like you know better than Jesus, and you're hurting because your posture is all off. Has anyone ever kind of like fallen asleep in the car, and you get kind of like a crink in your neck a little bit? Your posture is off, and it brings pain when your posture is wrong, it causes you to walk in such destructive ways. He said, your posture is all off. Jesus isn't alive to honor you. You are alive to honor him. And y'all, listen, some, some lessons you never want to have to learn. But in that moment, it seriously changed my whole life, starting with perspective and then into posture. From there, everything started to make sense to me. It didn't get instantly easy. That came from knowing who deserved to be on top. There was a freedom that came when I realized like, that I didn't actually want to be in charge. That I didn't want to be in charge because when I was in charge, I was making a mess. And yet we still so often, and we know this to be true because we've all lived in this season Yet we still know that, we're, that, that Jesus is in charge, yet we still so often kind of like flip the script and try to take over. And so I guess with, what, I'm trying to, what I'm trying to get to is how can we, because we know this is true. We know that this is the reality we occupy, but, but we still so often make it about us. So how can we begin to flip the script and, and, and grow what lies beneath us so our expression is honest to our confession? How can we live steady above the surface because of what we have built beneath? Well, quickly, I, I just want to, I want to read these opening scriptures one more time because I think this really shines some light into how to live to honor Jesus in all things. And so follow me back, and then we're going to be reading Hebrews 13. It says this. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. What does it say? This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Friends, if you want to begin to honor God with your whole life, no more compartments, no more slushy iceberg beneath the surface. If you want to begin to honor Jesus with all you are, it's two things, and it starts with this. Don't Copy 
the behavior and customs of this world. If you want to experience the good life, the absolute best life can be, you need to stop copying the behaviors and customs of the world. Why? Hebrews 13. Because this world is not your permanent home. You are looking forward to a home that is yet to come. So stop living like you did before you knew better. Stop living like you did before you knew Jesus. This is the first step toward a life of worship, a life that honors God. Now, what does that mean? It means that if you want to honor Jesus with every part of your life, then you can't do the things he tells you not to do. And you can't do things and, and, and live in ways that are contradictory to his way. And so let's get practical real quick. Everyone's going to squirm. This is going to be awesome. You can't live to work and neglect your family for the pursuit of success. This is contradictory to a life of worship. Just like you can't get drunk every night to take the edge off your stresses from your day. Let's keep going. You can't hold grudges against your neighbors. You cannot discriminate against minorities. You can't make fun of the president. You can't look on with judgment or hate towards the LGBTQ plus community. All of these behaviors and customs are contradictory to a life following Jesus. How about a couple more? You can't have casual sex with a bunch of randoms from Tinder or any sex of that matter outside of marriage. You can't sit around watching porn, mostly men in the room. You can't knowingly cheat on your taxes. You can't lie to your boss about why you were late. You can't go and get your tarot read or go to a psychic for fun. You can't dabble with crystals or mess around with witchcraft. Why? Because these behaviors and these practices are incompatible with Jesus. They're incompatible with his way, and I hope this is making sense. If you want to honor Jesus with your life, your whole life, you have to leave behind the behaviors and the customs of the world. This means physically. This means relationally. This means emotionally, financially, and even spiritually. You've got to leave it behind. But, but with all that said, please don't hear me say this from a legalistic posture. Because none of this, none of this behavior is going to win us favor with God. That's not it at all. What I'm saying, and this should be obvious for any follower of Jesus, is that everything we do and don't do should be rooted in a posture of love and honor to God, not legalism. We don't do the old garbage because we're not who we once were. We found a better way, and his name is Jesus, and he is worthy of it all. So that's first. The first step, and it's simple. Not easy, but it's simple. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. Instead, the second thing, give your entire life to Jesus. Paul writes back in Romans 12, he says, give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship, to honor him. Let God transform you, Romans 12, into a new person by changing the way you think, your perspective. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Okay, so a life of worship, it starts when you stop doing all the garbage you already know you shouldn't be doing. 
And it finds its completion when you begin to give your entire life over to him who is worthy. When you lay everything before him as a living sacrifice. Now, what does that mean? Let me explain. It means that you choose to do what he says. That you choose to go where he leads. That you choose to live like he would. Where you choose to see the world and everything in it through his lens of heaven and allow what you see to inspire your expression on his behalf. Practically, you act justly. You love mercy and you walk humbly. You live with open hands so the world might see what God is like with your life. And practically, again, this means that you step into his priorities for rest and stewardship and prayer. It means that you commit to church. I know there's a lot of folks that think like, man, I can love Jesus and I, can, and I don't have to commit to a church. You're absolutely wrong. And if it's not this one, find a different one. Because you can't love Jesus and not love his church. Because you are the church. And so to follow Jesus, it means committing to a church. It means being generous with what you have. It means serving before expecting to be served. It means knowing your neighbors and forgiving those who wronged you. It means being that best darn employee at the office while still keeping your family and your faith first. Friends, when you give your life to Jesus as a living sacrifice, when you bow low before him, you're confessing that every breath and every behavior now belongs to him. Romans 12, this is truly the way to worship him. Stop copying the customs of the world. Stop copying the behaviors of the world, but instead let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And I... I want to. I want to. I kind of want to park there because for the next couple weeks we're going to really dig into some specifics. But for today, I just want to. I just want to challenge you with this one thing. You've heard a lot of Bible. You've heard me <laughs> address a lot of specifics, and sometimes it just makes you squirm a little bit. I get it. Um, I do. Uh, but for today, I just want to challenge you with this one thing. If you wouldn't mind, just grab this card one more time off your chair, and kind of wave it around like a little fan. We do this every week, almost. Oh, it's beautiful. I love that sound. And I just, want to, I just want to encourage you, you know the drill on this. Take a picture of it with your phone, make it your background, put it on your computer, put it in your mirror on the bathroom wall, put it in your car. I've got one in, I typically have one in my car, so when I'm looking at my speed limit, I'm, I'm, before I'm reading everything I see belongs to Jesus, that includes my speedometer, okay? But I try to keep these around me all the time because we are being formed by the world every single day. And I think the last, what was the number? It was like we look at our phones 350 times a day. We oh, take it out and look at it 350 times a day. What if every time you looked at your phone, you saw that you are alive to honor Jesus? How would that affect what you look at? How would that affect what you say? How would that affect what you scroll to or what you buy? You are alive to honor Jesus. And so let this reality, bring this with you, take it with you, please. And we've got this Revelation chapter four passage on the back. Our Lord and God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things, including me. And by your will, they were created and have their being. So you know the drill. Let this reality penetrate your heart and mind over the next week. And as it does, just ask yourself, I would say this, this is something I'm working on. Ask yourself, what behaviors in me 
What customs are normal to me and accepted by the world? What are those things that need to go so I can honor Jesus with it? And we all have something, right? Real talk. We all got stuff that has to go. So what is it and what are you gonna do about it? Because we are alive to honor Jesus. Amen? Let me leave you with this from Hebrews as one final reminder. For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual praise, not just once a week, not just when it's convenient, not just when it's, when it's in line with the things we already care about or the practices we've already adopted, but let us offer a continual sacrifice of praise to God in all things at all times, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. This is the good life of worship. Let us follow him. Amen. All right, I just want to pray for you, and then we're going to go get some good, good lunch. But just let this sink. Let this sink in. Let this simmer. And I'm just really looking forward to the next month as we begin to talk about some of these expressions for worship. So let me just pray for you, and then we'll go and have some lunch. Jesus, we are so grateful that you love us and that you have invited us into a new way of living, God, that you've invited us into a new way that always leads to peace. And so, God, we're, we're just grateful, God, that you have called us and that you saved us and you gave us purpose and identity. And, and now, God, that you're calling us into an accurate posture because you are the Lord and we are not. God, the earth is yours and everything in it, and that makes us your stewards and servants made to worship you. So, God, we ask that you would just open our eyes to some of those things that are just kind of clouding our vision, God. Open our eyes to the things that have to go so we can really honor you with our whole life. God, as we lay our lives before you as a living sacrifice, we know that sacrifice hurts, that sacrifice, it costs something. And so, God, we know that as we step into this life of worship, it's gonna cost us something. We get that. God, we just ask that you would open our eyes to it so we can make the most of our, of our lives and make the most of every opportunity in your name. God, we, we acknowledge that we are alive to show what you're like and that we are alive to honor you in all things at all times. And so God, receive this as a sacrifice of praise today. Again, just soften our hearts, open our eyes, give us, give us thoughtful eyes, change the way we think about the behaviors and the customs of the world so we might really give you and honor you with everything. So Jesus, we love you and we thank you. I'm just so grateful for this church, God. I ask that you would just give them courage, that you'd give them conviction, that you would give them capacity to bring change to their life so they might honor you in everything. And God, as we worship you, as we just bring everything before you today, we ask that you would just receive it, that you'd receive it with a glad and grateful and cheerful heart on our behalf. So God, we love you, and uh, it's all for you that we are here. Bless this amazing lunch to our bodies and the hands that prepared it, and we're just excited to see what you'll do. It's in your name that we pray, and then we all said, amen, amen. It's so good to see you. Happy Sunday. Enjoy the day. Go grab some great lunch. Get your kids, and uh, if you have any questions about anything you heard, come and talk. Otherwise, have a great Sunday.